some mental health struggles, or we have people in our life who do. Bottom line, okay? We all either do, or we have people in our lives that do. That, that statistically, nationally, I know that is true. And my guess is that we will uh, see this, uh, the survey, uh, the results of this survey, and we'll see, yes, right beside us, we have somebody within one or two people around us that probably struggles as well. Uh, so we want to deal with it. And I want to invite you to make sure that you invite people to join you during that week, uh, during that, or not that week, but for those weeks of that series, because I think it'll be huge to help you and to help others as we walk through um, how, how to deal with some of our mental health issues. We're actually going to look at one story in the Bible. And we're going to look at one story for six weeks, because in this one story, uh, there's a guy who deals with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, um, uh, that, uh, stress, burnout, worry, deals with them all in one little story. So we want to take that time and, and walk through it, all right? Um, so be ready for that. That's in two weeks. Today, we're going to continue on in this series that we're calling Finding the Way. And, and the idea with finding the way is we've been saying that, that what does it look like to follow Jesus? That there's some of you in here who maybe don't have a walk with Jesus. Maybe you're investigating it. I want you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. There's those uh, of us here who are uh, in Conway or watching online that, that you, you know Jesus but there's probably some areas in your life that, that you aren't fully following him the way that you know you need to. Um, there, there's areas that we all need to grow. There's expectations he has that we should put into place. I, I say this often, that, that Jesus' gift of grace is free, but it'll cost you everything. His grace is free, but it'll cost you everything. Because there are some expectations that he has when it comes to following him, when it comes to being a disciple. We've said an expectation is to respond to his grace. An expectation is to rescue those who haven't. An expectation is to uh, reproduce your faith, or uh, a word we like to use for that is to disciple other people. Today, I'm going to use this language that we need to release what God has given us. Now, maybe the, the best way for me to say it is we need to release the resources and give to what matters in a way that matters. Like that statement right there, that's the whole sermon in a nutshell. For 30 minutes, I'm going to talk just about that, that we need to release our resources, which means our time our talents, our, our giftings, and, and our finances. We need to release our resources and give to what matters in a way that matters. So I'm going to spend the, the, this time together talking about giving. And it'll be a lot about giving of your finances. And I know as soon as I say that, some of you might get squirmish. You, you might sit there and go, man, I invited a friend today. And he's going to go up there and talk about money, right? Yes, I am. 
But I want you to know if you're a friend who's here for the first time, I'm glad. Because this is what I know about whether you have faith or don't have faith. Whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, we all care about money. Okay, We all want to figure out the best way to use our money. We all want to figure out how do I uh, like budget my money or how do I resource my money or how do I invest my money. So I actually think it's a good thing because I'm going to give you some principles, especially at the end, that will help you use what God has given you to his greatest potential. And it's going to help you in life have no regrets, okay, when it comes to your finances. I also, though, believe this, that there's those of us who are here that, that, that we, we have found the way, yet we're not following the way specifically or exactly in this area of giving of our money or giving of our time or giving of our resources. And you might get a little squirmish because you're like, man, I don't know if I want to hear this today. But I'd say you need to, that I need to. Because when we figure this area of life out, God will use it to bless you and to bless others and, and to give you an overflow of blessing that will lead to no regrets. So I want that in your life. So, so let's just start by asking this simple question. Have you found what matters? Because if the statement says that you need to release your resources and give to what matters... Have you found what matters? Like, here's an easy way for me to, to be able to tell. Like, not subjective even. Like, we're talking objective. There is an objective way for each and every one of us who are here today to, to be able to tell if we have found what matters. And all you have to do is look at your bank statement, and your calendar. Because your bank statement and your calendar will tell you what matters in life. And, and if you don't agree with me, let me illustrate it. For instance, you look at my bank statement and you look at my calendar and you would say, golf matters to Josh. Right? Because you would see Hackler Golf Club. You would see tailormade.com. That it would be very obvious just by looking at my bank statement. You could look at my calendar and you could see, oh, he's golfing here or he's golfing there. You would go, yep, golf matters to Josh. Here's another one. Just admit it if this is true of any of you in here. If you looked at your bank statement, Chick-fil-A matters to you. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you got like Chick-fil-A app, Chick-fil-A app, Chick-fil-A app. Or maybe you're Starbucks or maybe you're McDonald's. That, that you can see things that matter to you. That you can look at your, your health. Maybe it's a gym membership or entertainment. That, that maybe the things you spend money on. Like this. Netflix. YouTube TV. Paramount. Peacock. Brit TV, Hulu, Disney, ESPN Plus. I'm only talking about my family right now. I'm not joking. The other day, Chris has subscribed to something called Acorn. And I was like, baby, what's Acorn? Oh, she goes, oh, it's some kind of British thing. Don't worry. I just did the trial membership. Right, and we did the trial membership to BritBox and Paramount and Apple TV, and we still have those. Right, like you can look at my bank statement, and you can see the things that matter to me. 
that you can see the things that matter to you. Look at the calendar. I'm at the ball field three nights a week. That matters to you, all right? And that's not a bad thing, all right? It might be your grandchild. It might be your son. It might be your daughter. And you're like, yep, that matters. It, it does. It's not that those things are bad. My question would simply be this. If you look at your bank account and your calendar, does it reflect that faith matters? Does your bank account and does your calendar reflect that Jesus matters? It should. Like it should be seen in what we do with our time and what we do with our resources, what we do with our finances, what we do with our time, our talent, and our treasures, right? That, that it should be seen. And if it is seen, it will lead to a life of no regrets. That's the reason I got to tell you about a guy named Billy Borden. Some of you have probably heard of Billy Borden. If you've been in church very long in your life, um, that you've probably heard of him. If you've been here long enough, I've told you a little bit of his story before. He's a guy that, that famously wrote the statement, uh, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. And then if you've heard that statement. If you haven't, I want to tell you more of the backstory as well. You see, Billy Borden was a very wealthy young man, that, that he came from a family of wealth, the Borden Milk Factory, all that. that, that that's Billy Borden, all right? And growing up, he had money, and, and uh, he, you know, everybody knew that he was going to pursue the family business and be wealthy. Well, when he graduated from high school, his parents sent him on like a a senior trip, a graduation gift. Just curious, anybody else, when you were a senior or graduating, went on like a senior trip or a graduation trip, right? Okay, so a couple of you, I see you around. Maybe your trip was like Billy Borden's. His parents gave him a gift to sail around the world. No? No, no, that, that wasn't yours? Again, he had great wealth, okay? It was while he was on the trip that... He started to meet people, and his heart broke. See, Billy Borden was not just from a wealthy family. He's from Chicago. Everything was comfortable around him. But he went on this trip, and he started to meet people and see the plight of people and see that people had needs and see that there was those who didn't know the Lord and had never heard about Jesus, and it broke his heart. So much so that, that Billy Borden said that, that I made a decision while I was on that boat to pursue global uh, missions with my life, that I was going to become a missionary, which meant I knew I was giving up on my family dreams. I was giving up on my family wealth. I was giving up on everything I had had, and I was going to pursue a whole new path. And on that day, in my language, he had to release what he had and follow God because he realized God matters and people matter. So he released it. And on that day, that's when he wrote in his Bible and in his journal for the first time, no reserves. Because he knew that he was trading in, he was giving up everything he had. He was releasing it. And then from there, he finished his trip, got home, told his parents what he was going to do after he went to college. So he went off to Yale. And while he was at Yale, his heart broke for the student body. Because while he was there, he noticed there was people that just didn't know the Lord. So Billy Borden started a Bible study, a prayer group. It started with one person, and then a second, and then a third, and then a fourth. And by the end of his freshman year of college, he had 100 people attending this prayer and Bible study group, all right? which is amazing. By the end of his senior year, 
out of the 1,300 students that went to Yale, a 1,000 of them were involved in a Bible study or prayer group that he helped start, that he saw people and how much they mattered and how much God mattered, and he said, I've got to do something about it. It was at that time that everybody kind of saw his leadership gifts, and they started offering him all kinds of jobs, great paying jobs, but he knew what he was committed to, so that's when he wrote down in his journal, no retreat. I've made a decision to release it to God and to follow him, and I'm not going back. From there, he went to Princeton, enrolled in theological seminary, graduated with his uh, seminary degree, got on a boat, and was headed to China. And it was while he was on his way to China to do global mission work that he caught spinal meningitis and within a few weeks died. Died in India before he ever got there. That, that, that I know you might go, whoa, whoa, that's not where I thought the story would go. I thought we'd hear this great work and all that he did. Nope. In his mid-20s, the disease took him out. It was when they were collecting his gear that they saw in his journal and in his Bible the last thing that he ever wrote, and it was no regrets. No regrets. That he made a decision to release his life to God. And when he released his life to God, he said, hands off, I'm following you, God. And even though it didn't turn out in the end like he wanted, he still said, no regrets, because I know I am giving my life to what matters and in a way that matters. And I want to encourage us to do the same. I want to encourage us to follow in the footsteps of Billy Borden and be willing to release our resources to God, because we look at God and we go, God matters, and people matter. And if we will do that like Billy Borden did, then here's what will happen. When we give to God because he matters, man, people's needs get met. And ministry happens. Well, let me take you to scripture. It's Acts chapter 4. And this is a verse that, or a, a book that we've been studying as a church for about 10 weeks now. And in chapter 4, it reads like this. It said, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring to the apostles to give to those who were in need. Now, I want to teach you a couple things from that verse. One is I want you to see that, that what they did is they, the people realized what we have is not our own. So they were willing to, to sell it. They were willing to, to share it. Now, I don't think that means that they sold everything and they lived in a commune, okay? Some people will say that. Now, I don't think that's what, what Luke was getting at when he was saying this. I think it was more of an attitude that, God, I'm willing to sell whatever, give whatever, because what I have is not my own. I've released it to you. That they weren't playing the two-year-old game of this is mine, Right? Like, like, you remember that? Or you've seen two-year-olds do that? Like, they immediately like, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Do you realize, I don't think there's ever been a two-year-old in the history of the world who's had to been taught that word, right? Like, they just naturally gravitate towards it, naturally pick it up, and so do we. It's like, it's my time. It's, it's my money. 
No, it's what God has given you to steward, and we need to be willing to release. And I think that's the attitude that the early church had is they said, no, it's like I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to give whatever because I'm here to, to, to share. And guys, by doing so, they met needs, and that was critical back then. That these would have been people coming to know the Lord who would have been leaving their Jewish faith system. And in the Jewish faith system, it was a system built up to take care of the people, right? So widows could go to the temple and all their needs, like uh, material needs, uh, food, stuff like that, would get taken care of by the, the priest of the temple, but because these ladies um, would have walked away from their Jewish faith and walked into the Christian faith, then the leaders of the temple would have said, well, we're done taking care of you. That, that people in their Jewish families, when they walked away from the Jewish faith, the families would have said, I'm no longer going to take care of you. So there would have been widows and people in, in dire need of having some of their needs met. So the church said, we will do it when we give to God needs get met. And that's still true today, that people's needs get met when we give to God. All through our church, um, all through churches around the world, people's needs get met. We come alongside of one another. But, but let me show you a, a step further. It isn't just that needs get met. Ministry gets done. It's Acts chapter 11. It says, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and to Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. That, that here's what was going on there. Is there, there was these two different churches. One was in Antioch, and, and the people in Antioch heard of a need that was happening in Jerusalem, and they wanted the Jerusalem church to be able to further their ministry, so those in Antioch took a collection and then passed it on to another church so the church could do what it was called to do. That's furthering the ministry. And when we give here to God through the rock, I just want you to know that ministry gets furthered. Honestly, every one of us sitting in here, that we are all recipients of somebody else's giving. You know, it was about 18 years ago that, that some people planted the Rock Church in Conway, South Carolina. And I'm looking around the room, and to the best of my knowledge in the room right now, I think I maybe see two families that were part of that original group or very close to it. And I, I don't even know, maybe three families. Like, I don't, I don't know if, if you guys were, were part of it. And then I saw somebody over here, Tony and your family, okay? That, that, that maybe, all right, maybe that, that everybody else, myself included, that we are recipients of somebody else saying, let's plant a church, we are recipients of somebody else saying, let me give my time, let me give my talents, let me give my finances, that we get the blessing of that today, all right? That, that maybe three or four families in here, the rest of us are, 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 are benefactors of that. But I want you to see it from this angle, that, that we have passed that on, that it was years ago, that about six years ago, that people here at The Rock, those of, of, of us in Conway said, let's plant a church at campus, or at Coastal Carolina, and we planted our coastal campus. And that happened because people here gave of their time and their money. 
that, that our coastal campus and our Conway campus five years ago planted our Aner campus. And today there's about 700 people who will worship in Aner every Sunday because people in Conway said, I'll give and I'll help. Amen? Yeah, it's great. It's great. That, that people in Aner and people at Conway and people at Coastal said, let's, let's pull together, let's give to God and pull our resources together and let's plant a church on the South Strand. That that church now is nine months old and that church is going great. But it's not just churches associated with the rock. I can tell you five to seven churches in Horry County that, that the people of the rock have helped get started as well that don't have the rock name on it, but they're churches that we were able to come alongside of and help them do ministry. All I'm trying to say is this. When you recognize God matters, needs get met, and ministry gets furthered. And I want you to be a part of that. And if that's gonna happen, then we have to give in a way that matters. See, this is where the rubber meets the road. That, that if... If I recognize that God matters, I want to give to what matters, but I need to do so in a way that matters. And what is that way? Generously, trustingly, and honestly. That I want to give generously, I want to give trustingly, I want to give honestly. Like, like let's think about this idea of giving generously. Generously. All you have to do is look back at the stories we've already read that they were willing to share, they were willing to give, they were willing to sell. Or, or look at the story of Barnabas. It's, it's uh, going back to chapter four, it's verse 36. It says, for instance, there was, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. That, that here's this guy named Barnabas. He, he had a, a field on the island of Cyprus. Now, at that time, the island of Cyprus was a very wealthy island, full of ore, copper, lumber, and other um, expensive stones, all right? So he probably had a nice little plot that, that he gave a very generous gift, and he just brought it to the apostles, brought it to the leaders of the church, said, I'm giving this to God, here you go, use it as need be. And, and we see that in his life. We see it through the rest of the book of Acts, people giving generously. We see uh, the apostle Paul saying, teach those who are wealthy uh, to, to give generously. We see Jesus saying, it is better to give than to receive. We see Jesus also saying this, the measure in which you give is the me measure in which it will be returned to you. But he adds to that. He doesn't just say, the measure you give, it will come back to you the same he says, no, it'll be shaken together, pressed down, overflowing. That, that here's what Jesus says. You can't outgive me. Like, like we, it's been said in churches for years, you can't outgive God. And the reason we can say that is because Jesus said it. Jesus said, you, you can't outgive me. It will be returned to you, and it'll be returned to you richly and blessedly. So I want to encourage us, give up your time generously, because God will bless your time. Give up your resources generously, because God will bless your resources. But also give trustingly. 
I want you to go back to that scripture. It's verse 37 on, on Barnabas. It says that he brought the money to the apostles. Earlier, you saw that they brought their gifts to the apostles. And what, what we're seeing there is they showed us the way to give. And the way to give was with trust. That, that what Barnabas did is when he sold his, his plot of land, that he brought it to his leadership. And he said, I'm giving to God to the people who are leading me spiritually. And he gave it to them, all right? To, to distribute, to take care of people's needs, and to further the ministry. Guys, when I first really started to come to understand giving, this verse jumped out to me. Because always before I thought, well, I'll give and I'll just give to whatever I want to, wherever I want to. But the reality is when I give like that, I'm giving with strings attached. I'm saying I get to decide exactly where my gift to God goes. And what we see here that Barnabas teaches us and the other stories teach us is that, no, we give to God with no strings and we release it. We let God have it. Because when you do so, that's trust. And if, if you give to God like and you're going, well, God, I want to give you my time, but I want to hold on to it. God, I want to give you my finances, but I want to hold on to them. Then what we're really doing is we're saying we don't trust God or we don't trust the leaders that he's placed in my life. I remember it was a church that I used to serve at and uh, there was a guy there that, that he gave. He gave regularly and he gave generously. But every time he gave, he would write in the memo line of his check for the prayer ministry. And like the first time I, I, I heard that, I was like, okay. But then it was every week. And I'm like, last time I checked, it doesn't cost any money to pray. You know what I'm saying? Like, like last time I checked, I'm like, why does the prayer ministry need money? You know? And, and so I was talking to our leadership about that. We're like, the prayer ministry doesn't need money. And I'm like, well, why does this guy keep giving to the prayer ministry? So I went and told him. I'm like, bro, like you keep designating your check this way, but I just want you to know the prayer ministry doesn't need any money to pray. Like we're praying just fine. And he goes, well, I don't trust the leadership, so I'm giving it there because I know a guy on that team. Which made me say, if you don't trust the leadership with your money, and why would you trust them with your spiritual health and your spiritual growth and with the word of God every week, right? Like it would make no sense because what you're really saying is my money is more important to me than my, my own spiritual walk. So, so I want to say to take a lesson from what Barnabas teaches us here is trust. Trust God when you give it to him and then trust the leaders that he's put in your life to use it in a God-honoring way. Now, I'll tell you right now, that doesn't have to be blind trust, all right? Like, like I know, like, I have conversations with people at church all the time about, you know, how, how are our finances at, at the church and what are we giving to and where are we spending it? I, I'll sit down and talk with you. Timmy, our executive pastor, sit down and talk with you. Our other pastors, sit down and talk with you anytime, all right? Because it doesn't have to be blind trust, but it needs to be a trust where you say, God, I'm giving this to you and I'm gonna trust that you're going to instruct the leaders to do with it what they need to, and if they're not, you're going to deal with them. Amen? Because what we see in life, 
And what we see in Scripture is that God will deal with us when we don't honor him in the right way. So that's the reason I say give trustingly. And then lastly, I'd say this, and give honestly. And that's where we pick up this story about how when we don't do what is right, when we're not honest with God, he takes it to heart. Look at the rest of the story. It's going to Acts chapter 5 now. It's the next chapter, but it's the same story. It's in the same line. Barnabas had just sold a field and gave it to God, and then it says this. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent. He kept the rest. That, that I want you to see the story before I even read any further. That, that Ananias and Sapphira decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to sell this land. And rather than giving a portion and telling people we gave a portion, rather than giving a portion and just knowing with the Lord we only gave a portion, we're going to pretend like we're giving it all, but we're going to keep some for ourselves. Okay, so, so that's where, where the mistake happens. And then read what it is. It says, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. All right, now again, it's not that they, that they kept some of the money. That you don't have to give 100% of it, okay? That's not what the story's about. The story is the deception. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. That, that Peter's saying, listen, it's your money, all right? Now, now, theologically, we understand it is God's and ours to steward, but he's trying to, what he's trying to say is, like, we didn't tell you you had to sell that property. We didn't tell you you had to give 100% of it away. It was yours to sell, and it was yours to give. You decide in your heart what you want to give. Just don't lie about it. Because when we lie about things like that, God takes it seriously. Like, so seriously, look at the next verse. I haven't read this in any of the messages yet, but I finally, I'm, I'm going to read it this time because I have time. It says, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And everyone who heard it about it was terrified. And you might read that and go, whoa. They, they, they lied about their giving, and God struck them dead. Yeah, God takes this seriously. And what, what, what is the this that I'm talking about? Being honest with him. When we lie to God, he takes that very serious. So let's, let's make sure we're not lying to God in any area of our life. All right? Like, like in any area, let's make sure we don't lie to God. Where in the area of giving do we maybe lie? I'd say one area is when we say that we tithe, but we don't. You see, we, we've hit this nomenclature where we, 
where we, we use the word tithe and we think it just means to give. The word tithe literally means 10%, okay? If you just go to the literal translation, it means 10%. So if you say, I tithe, but you don't give 10% of your income back to the Lord, then, then you're not tithing, you're giving, okay? Maybe you give 2%, good. That means you're giving. Just don't lie and say, I tithe, okay? Say, no, I give to the Lord. And I would encourage you to, to tithe. I would encourage you not just to give 10%, but to be progressive in your giving, all right? But, but start at least someplace and just be honest about it. Say, I, 2%, 3%, 4%, whatever it is. Be honest about it. Every now and then, occasionally, I give. Just be honest about it. Here's another thing, the way to be honest. Don't lie by saying, I can't afford to give. Because that's a lie. Everybody here, myself included, can afford to give and can actually give even more. Every one of us. We can. And probably the sermon I, I should probably preach, but I, I don't have the time to do it, is to preach a sermon, you can't afford not to give. But just to keep it practical, let's just let's admit it that, that you can't afford. Now, it might mean you have to cut some things, right? Like you might have to cut out maybe a, a trip to Starbucks. You might have to cut out Acorn TV, okay? Like, like you might have to cut some things. You might have to sell something because you got yourself in, in such financial debt that, that you're just drowning. But you can find something, even if it's only 1%, you can go, man, I can give this to God because I'm going to give trustingly that he'll do something with it. And I'm going to encourage you to give, to give and then to be progressive on that. That was for Krista and I. When we started, we started with a couple percentage points. And then we added to it and added to it and added to it until we got to 10 because we said we got to get to 10. And then once we got to 10, we didn't stop there. Each year, we try to add a half, a full, two percentage points to our giving because we want to be progressive because we take Jesus at his word that I cannot give him. Cannot give him. He proves it over and over and over again. Don't lie this way by saying, I'll give when. I'll give when. Like, like I'll give of my time when I have a little bit more. I'll give of my time once I'm done with, with schools or once I get through this hectic season. I'll give of my finances once I have a full-time job. I'll give of my finances once I, I get that thing paid off. I'll give of my finances once I graduate from college. Don't say I'll give when. That's a lie. Unless you come under strong conviction later, if you don't learn to give now, chances are you won't give when. It's a whole lot easier to start today. And especially for those of you who are young. There's some of you in here are high schoolers, your your college students, young adults. Learn today to live by a God-honoring biblical principle of 10% to him. 10% to your future self, which means savings and retirement. And then 80% live on it. And, and, and I am confident in this. If you will give 10 to the Lord, give 10 to your future self, and live on 80, you'll never be in a situation of regret 
when it comes to your finances. That you'll be able to be like Billy Borden and say, I released it and I got no regrets. So that's what I'm gonna challenge you to do right now as we go into this time of response. It's just to give, just to give of it to God. Give your, give your calendar, give your finances, give your gifts, and offer it up to the Lord. And the way to do that is to start by giving him your heart and your life and saying yes to Jesus. And just like Billy Borden used to say this, he used to say, I've had to learn to say no to, to self and yes to Jesus every time. It's a principle to live by. Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. So say yes to Jesus when it comes to your time. Say yes to Jesus when it comes to your finances. Say yes to Jesus when it comes to using of your gifts. And say yes to Jesus by giving him your life. And know this, he's not asking anything of you that he hasn't already done. Jesus gave generously to us. Jesus gave trustingly to the Father. That he said, Father, I trust you. That this is the only way. Father, I trust you. That three days from now, you are going to bring me back from the dead. I'm trusting you. I'm being honest with you that, that I don't want to do this, but I'm willing to. Follow in his footsteps and give generously of your life. Why don't you stand up with me? And we're going to go in this time response. There's communion available. If you need to pray with somebody, I'll be at the Connect Corner right back there. And I would love to pray with you. Maybe pray with you about your finances, pray with you about using your gifts to serve, uh, praying with you about how to start giving, maybe praying with you about how to surrender your life to Jesus or, or taking a step of baptism. If you need to take communion, you need to pray, let's do this right now. And let's let Jesus know we're available. Just let him know. Just say, I'm, I'm available, Lord. I'm available to follow you. I'm available to release to you and to let it go. Will you do that today? Will you do it during this time? I'll be in the connect corner if you want to talk about it. But let's make sure we're definitely talking to him about it. Let's let him know we're available.